Welcome to the Divine Self Secret Garden Podcast. On today's episode, Christian De La Huerta, and I am your host, Megan Garden Podcast. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. I'm really excited about this podcast and my guest today. I have Christian De La Huerta joining me. Christian is an award-winning author and acclaimed speaker at various settings, including universities, conferences, multinational corporations, spiritual communities, and the TEDx stage. Christian just launched his new book, Awakening the soul of power you can click on the link below and christian's website is soulfulpower.com you can go on to christian's website and get all of the amazing things we're going to talk about in the podcast he does um, retreats um, really amazing videos on breath work Um, there's links to his youtube channel and social media he's got an amazing blog You can also buy his book um, there, um, as well as click on the links below. Welcome to the garden today, Christian. All right. Welcome to the secret garden, Christian De La Huerta. How are you today? Hey, Megan. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's It's an honor and I'm good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I know, like we just said before we were recording that you're you're in Florida and I'm envious. It's nice weather and you can go outside and, you know, during the pandemic, that's probably one of the best places to be. Yeah, you know what? It has been. Um, I lived in California, which I know you also uh, have roots. Yeah. I lived in the Bay Area for 20 years and I love it over there. And for this last year, it's, it has been a blessing to be in Florida because mostly because of the weather because we had access to the outdoors the whole time and it really only shut down for a month or two or so that's fantastic i um yeah being in the sun and just even walking outside i think is kind of key you know to just keeping keeping your sanity right now um and just grounding so i'm envious but um i was just doing my research on you and you have quite you know, quite the resume. I see that you you did a TEDx talk. I see you do retreats and you're all about just empowering people. And I wanted to have you on the show to hopefully inspire and empower my listeners to um, start to take their power back in relationships. I've just seen such an increase in people reaching out to me that are at home right now, locked up in quarantine with, you know, their abusers. And I was really looking at one of your videos about power and control. What do you have to say about that? Because a lot of people that are in these abusive relationships have just completely lost their power. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and of course that level of abusive relationship, you you know, has, it's a whole other level of reality in which, you know, sometimes outside intervention is what's needed. Yes. Uh, for for so keeping that in mind, uh, for f- most of us, um, as, I, as I've been working with this issue around power for the last probably ten years, 
um, I've, I've come to realize that most of us have an, an ambivalent relationship to power. We want it, but we're afraid of it. And, and I think what's at the core of that fear is that we might abuse it, that we might bring harm by stepping into our power. And it's understandable. You know, we've, we've, all we got to do on any given day is turn on the news or, or glance through the headlines online and witness at least one abuse of power. And, and what good hearted person wants to, to be an abuser? Um, and add to that, we've been conditioned to think that power is a bad thing. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what good hearted person wants to be corrupted? Um, and so what they forgot to tell us, though, is that that quote from Lord Acton was he was initially speaking specifically about political power, not the interpersonal power that we're talking about. And so when you add to the mix, the fact that we have been conditioned to make the emotions wrong, to make them weakness, uh, we hate conflict, we avoid confrontation. But what happens when you, you mix all that into together is, you know, we, we give our power away. Uh, yeah. We end up saying yes when inside we really feel no. And, and the tragic part of it is that we give away our power that, that is inherent, that is ours. Nobody can give that to us. Nobody can, give it, can take it away. We are the only ones who can give it away. Yes. And we do that for the, like just unfulfilling reasons. We settle for less. We, we settle for an illusion of, of security. We settle for um, a false sense of acceptance and for morsels, for crumbs of pseudo love. I love that you you just said that because I think so many of, of, of my listeners, I think, first of all, it's conditioning, right? I, I, th I think a lot of people grew up in dynamics and family dynamics where they lost their power or they got little, little bits of love by giving up their power. Right. And they were conditioned that way. And then, then you grow up into an adult and then you find, you get yourself in the same dynamic that you were in as a, as a child, but we just give up our power to get just a little tiny bit of, yeah. I don't, it's not even love. It's just it's attention. Not, right. And it, it comes not. from the biggest insecure place and, and me myself having to break free of, you know, a toxic relationship, it's really powerful to realize that I was the one that gave up my own power and gave up my own, just really my own inner knowing. I, I stopped listening to my yes. own inner guidance system. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like, what and do you want? That's, that's, Go that's ahead. where it all begins. You know, that's where it all begins is, is the, the times that we override that inner knowing those, those yellow flags, those red flags because we're afraid of ending up alone, because, like you say, we were conditioned just to settle for those morsels of pseudo-love. And you're right, it's not real love because we're not presenting ourselves as who we are authentically. So we present this, this inauthentic, this fake part of who we are, you know, with a fake smile um, and when it's really not okay with us. And so how can we expect any kind of authentic love and response? We're not showing up authentically to begin with. Absolutely. And that you kind of are living in a facade and a fantasy that you've always wanted to have. But yeah. in reality, I think if you can find your power and your own inner knowing, that fantasy will like becomes 10 times bigger. And it's not a fantasy anymore. It becomes your reality. But that is the work that you have to do, right? <laughs> it's yeah. easier said than done. 
And and that's why you know this book is 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 part of a series of three on what it um, and it's called calling all heroes because what we're talking about is is not easy. It's 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 nothing short of heroic because it takes the willingness and the courage to go within and to look at ourselves and, and to ask the questions why we do the things we do and to look at our triggers and our patterns and our conditioning and all of that takes work. And it also takes looking back and maybe seeing parts of ourselves and remember aspects of our lives that were not fun to remember, but it is worth it, right? It's hard, it's heroic, but it is so worth it because therein are the keys to freedom. And, and the message of this book, which, which I live, you know, it's, it's like, I know what I'm talking about. This is not just pretty new agey stuff that I read in a, in, that I read in a book somewhere or picked up in a seminar. Um, I experienced this personal transformation myself. Um, and, and so the message is that there is a way that we can reclaim our power, that we can step into our power that is congruent with who we are, that doesn't require uh, abused, that doesn't require that we be corrupted, that doesn't require that we push anybody down, step on them, um, you know, push them down in order for us to prop, prop ourselves up and feel powerful. Yeah. And I was even thinking, you know, I, you know, in my day job, not doing my podcast and YouTube channel, I, ha I work in corporate America. And I think about the power dynamics that happen within the corporation and your whole goal is to have the goal of the corporation. And how many times do we sacrifice our own inner knowing just at work, just so we can get a paycheck to come and pay our rent and to take care of our families. Right. And it, and it, it starts even there. It's, it's everywhere around you in everyday yes. life. And, you know, and I just see it more and more and more. And, and I mean, it could go into how complex this gets when it comes to, you know, politics and religion and every it's everywhere right everywhere. and and i think this is why we're so susceptible to then bringing it in just so personally in our homes and, and meeting abusers and people that want to take your power away from you yeah and, and that's why it's so critical that we that we ask ourselves this question and that we get clear about understanding that there are different kinds of power um and, and yeah absolutely we sell ourselves so cheaply for that illusion of security of a bi-weekly paycheck because yes. if you tell me, yeah, I'm, I'm making three quarters of a million dollars, half a million dollars a year, then we can talk about selling ourselves. But most of us sell ourselves to, to jobs that we can't stand or, or, or that are sucking the life force out of us for that measly illusion of security of a, of a biweekly paycheck. An illusion because as we're witnessing through this pandemic years, like, these jobs are here today, gone tomorrow. The corp companies close their door any minute. And beyond that, we, we, you know, we're placing our trust on this global economic system that is all made up. We yes. used to think it was paper. It's not even paper. It's just ones and zeros up in a cloud somewhere that somebody made up. Yes. I think that's, you know, I heard that years ago, someone said, you know, Megan, money is just an exchange of energy. And it took me a really long time and this journey to understand what that meant, <laughs> you know, but it really is just an exchange of energy. You're right. The paper, it, it's, it's not real. It doesn't exist. And, and once you understand that, it, you start to understand that you have the power and that you're, you yes. giving your energy is very powerful. And then and then taking it a step further of reserving your energy. And even if you have to have a corporate job, where do you reserve your energy in that? And are you aware of it? And how do you yes. continue to listen to your own intuition while 
working and where does your ethics lie? And, and, you know, but that's, I think that's part of just this life journey that we're on. That's, that's the mastery of all of this. Yeah. 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 And and it all, it's all within, right. To realize that that power is inside each and every one of us. And, and that the stronger that the, when we're willing to do this self, this work that we're talking about of, of exploring who we are and figuring out why we do the things we do and what makes us tick, uh, what are we passionate about? Um, what patterns in relationships do we tend to give our power away? Is it is it in romantic, intimate, sexual relationships? Or is it, like we're talking about, is it in authority figures? Parents, bosses, ministers, rabbis, coaches, that kind of thing. And it's that willingness to do the, the, the work of looking at ourselves and, and observe, uh, become aware of why we do the things we do, that that's where we discover where our power is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is one thing that someone can start to do? I find that, you know, a lot of the people that listen to my my podcast and follow me on my YouTube channel, they really struggle with cognitive dissonance, right? Two conflicting thoughts and beliefs at the very same time. There's the reality and there's the fantasy or the facade. And they they're stuck in this facade because of trauma bonding and the abuse cycle goes around and around and they just they they get less and less and farther away from their own inner knowing as they're stuck in these, these power dynamics. And like, what is something someone can do to start to try to take that power back? Yeah. So, so two things, um, which we've kind of already alluded to them is one, anything that you can do to develop self-awareness, right. To develop presence. Um, that's going to, that's going to help and start where you are like, right. Take two minute breaks to just, uh, you know, like if you, some of us like are not even aware of what we're feeling. Like when I started doing this work 30 years ago, I couldn't tell you what I felt because I had no idea what I was feeling. So what I would do is walk around with a timer and now we've got them in our, in our phones. Um, I used to walk around and I set it for the hour and then I'd ask myself, I had, had printed a checklist of different emotions and then I would go down the list and ask myself, am I feeling that? Uh-uh. Am I feeling that? Uh-uh. Am I feeling that? Maybe. Right. And so so any start wherever you are in, in increasing your, your awareness about who you are and what makes you tick um, and those patterns that we're talking about. Breathing patterns make breathing practices and techniques make all the difference. Right. To use it at the core of every meditation practice, every mindfulness practice. So even if you take at the same time that you if you set your timer, start with 60 seconds, just slowing down your breath. And following your breath deeper and deeper within, start connecting with yourself. Anything like that is going to be life-changing if you stick with it, even if it's just those minutes, a couple of minutes um, a day. And then begin to understand the difference between power, right? So, so understand like there is the way that the world relates to power, which tends to be hierarchical and power over and, and requires that we push somebody down and it has to do with abuse and force and fear and and it's we tend to associate it with externals so so we tend to think who are powerful are those who have fame or or they're they've got money they're part of some kind of hierarchy whether it's the that corporate ladder or some kind of religious institution or something but the thing about all those powers they're outside of us so they're fickle they're here today could be gone tomorrow as opposed to the spiritual power the soulful power that we're talking about that is inside each and every one of us. And it's consistent and it's always there. 
and it's it's constant and it's humble. It doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. And so think of, of Gandhi or, or Gandalf, you know, when they're simple monastic robes, their sandal feet, you would never know how much power they hold until it's necessary. And then watch out. Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees without ever shooting a gun or landing a single punch. That's power. And that's the kind of power that is accessible to each and every one of us. Yeah, I think that that is pretty amazing. I, you know, I think about um, Dr. Frankel's book when, you know, he was in Auschwitz and, and he talked about, you know, how did he continue to have his power while there and realize that, you know, the Nazis couldn't take really his soul from him. He still had that. And um, it's really having that 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 paradigm shift and seeing, yes, you may be in these abusive relationships, but they can't, they can't take your power from you. They just, they can't, they try. Um, but, but they can't, you know, but I want to go back to the breath too. I find that, you know, it's so painful when you actually take your first breath in and connect to your soul because there's so much emotion there. I love that you said, take a list and, and like, what are you feeling? Cause I found that I would hold my breath. And then when I would actually do meditation work and I would breathe in just that first emotion that would come up, I would like cry for hours and couldn't even get past that. But once I cried that out, I would breathe in and do that. And I love having the list of emotions because you don't even know sometimes because it's yeah. so overwhelming when you, you, you realize that you do have that own inner knowing and, and connecting with yourself again after being so disassociated and so not connected with yourself that it's, it's almost, it's a very painful process, but yes. empowering. Yes. Yes. And, and I could talk about the breath for the whole, the whole time. And before we do that, I want to go back to, to what you said about Viktor Frankl, because that's huge. That is like the critical point because especially for people who have gotten stuck, in, in abusive relationships, it's very easy to, to, to take on that identity of a victim. Um, it's understandable. And, and that is disempowering, right? So, so that, that is really big and it's really difficult and it's nothing short of heroic. And to me, Viktor Frankl is the, the person who best exemplifies that for me, that, that, that ability to pop out of the victim consciousness. Because this guy, as you know, was a psychiatrist. He spent years in concentration camps, and they took everything away from him. They took his title, his studies, his property, his belongings, lost every person in his family, including his pregnant wife, kind of soulmate kind of relationship. And so being in, in that most inhuman of settings where it would be easy to feel like victimized by life, that guy was able to say that they could take everything away from him except for one thing, the ability to choose how he would be in response to that. Yes. And, and, and talk about like reclaiming your power in this most inhuman of settings. And, and it's not to minimize anybody's trauma or anybody's pain. And if, if he can do it in a concentration camp, certainly we can two in our own lives. And all it takes is that ability to choose. How am I going to show up? How am I going to be in response to the situation? Because that alone pops us out of that victim mindset. Yeah. And I almost feel like if you stay in the victim mindset, and I talk a lot about this on my YouTube channel, so I'm glad we're talking about this, but it's almost a matter of life and death, right? If you stay in the victim mindset, I mean, it is so toxic when you're being abused in your home that 
it, you know, I started to look, I started to look like a skeleton. I was pale. My eyes had dark circles. And my therapist at one point looked at me and she's like, you're dying. You're going to die. And I remember thinking, that's right. The life, the energy and the life is being sucked out of me. And I have to, there, that was the moment I had to choose. And unfortunately things got worse, but I, but I, I did, I found the power and I, and I left and I'm not even talking about leaving because that's such a huge jump for some abuse right. survivors. Right. But, but, but connecting to yourself and breathing and having a, a, a shift saying, okay, I'm a survivor. I'm going to survive this. And little by little, each day you build yourself up to hopefully one day, leaving your abuser or changing the dynamic in the relationship. So, um, but it can be, you know, but you think about, you know, Victor Frankl, if he would have stayed in his victim mentality, would he have actually survived? And, you know, you know, chances are the answer to that is, is no, he probably, you know, you finally just say, I can't do this anymore. Chances are really good. And, and, you know, it's like being a psychiatrist, he would also ask himself is like, why did some people seem to survive and others didn't? Um, and he you know, started to discover that it had nothing to do with education or intelligence or beauty or physical strength, brawn. Um, none of that seemed to matter. Culture, where they came from, none of that, how much money they had before, none of that made a difference in there. What seemed to make a difference were those who had a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose. And that's why he wrote a book, Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so critical that we get in touch with what gives us meaning, no matter where we are in life and what situation, because that is what 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 tends to it is so connected to our ability to survive. And everybody deserves meaning and purpose in this in this on this planet, right? I, I think so many people are like, oh, I'm not out saving the world. And that's not what we're talking about. I'm finding meaning and purpose within you and that yes. you are on this planet just like everybody else. And you deserve to be here. And um, you are just as powerful as everybody around you. Exactly. exactly. And sometimes, you know, if we put it in that context that you're, that you're talking about, like if we ask ourselves just the general question, wouldn't we say that any one of the seven and a half billion of us just by virtue of being human, by virtue of being alive, by virtue in being embodied, deserves to be happy, deserves to be free, deserves to, to have a happy that is, that is, to have a life that is filled with meaning and purpose, right? We would all say, yes, of course. So then what makes us so special that we are the only ones in seven and a half billion who are not deserving of that? So it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It's, it's understandable how we got to those places of not feeling worthy because of the conditioning and the misunderstandings of, of, of childhood that we, you know, that we mis misunderstood and misinterpreted as not feeling good enough that, or that we didn't serve to be loved or, or whatever it is that we took on. But those beliefs are not real. They're not based on, on truth. They were just misunderstandings of young minds that didn't know any better. So that's another great starting point to, to begin to shift how we think about ourselves and, and to reclaim this, this place that we deserve to be loved. Of course, we deserve to be loved. Of course, we deserve to feel happy and safe and, and to be able to have a life where we can uh, thrive and have a sense of that meaning and purpose and personal empowerment. Of course. I, I love that. You know, I really want to talk a little bit about the abuser, right? Because they obviously are having a power struggle as well. Where where does that come from? I, 
you know, I, I always say that both the victim and the abuser both have just real deep insecurities. And one learned back, you know, in their childhood that being the abuser gives them, you know, that power and that knowing. And then, you know, the, the victim has learned to kind of be the people pleaser and has learned to get through life by, by people pleasing and giving up and sacrificing their own self to kind of really in survival. And a lot of these cases, it, it is survival, just depending on what dynamic it was, but where does, you know, where does the abuser kind of go wrong in their upbringing and how do they, how do they get so much power yeah. or the illusion of power? Yeah, so let's let's talk about because this relates to to the nature of power too, right? So that what we're talking about there is this hierarchical power overstructure, um, which at the core of, of the abuser, yeah, you're right. It's it's they don't they also don't feel powerful. They also don't feel good about themselves. So that the only way that they can feel powerful is by exerting power over another, and of course, women are also capable, and we we know many women who also abuse power. But the reality is that most abusers are, are men. Mm -hmm. and, and so we can talk about how the system of, of toxic masculinity and unhealthy expressions of power um, are not serving anybody, including men. You know, because all we got to do is look at, you know, the statistics. The rate of suicide, for example, in this country, men commit suicide four times as often as women do. 70% wow. of, of the suicides in this country are committed by middle-aged white men. Let's look at longevity. Women outlive men in the U.S. by five years. Globally, by seven years. So what's up with that? Yeah. Right? So, so the system is like as unacceptably it has an, an abusive and out of balance it has been to women for the last several thousand years of, of this patriarchal age that we're witnessing now the, the beginnings of the end of it um it also doesn't serve men and and the numbers are there to 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 prove it and, and part of the reason that that to me those numbers are there is because we've got this mistaken definition of what it means to be a man and, and so we walk around with you know like like robots not feeling not caring um and stuffing all of our emotions because somebody along the way came up with this erroneous conclusion that the emotions are weakness and little boys don't cry because only little girls do that. And so for a little boy to do that means that they're weak. It's like, wait a minute. Like the very foundation of that thought is erroneous. Who said that the feminine is weak? Yeah. Like who said that? Like, let's, let's talk about the power of creation that lies inside of the female body. Talk about power. Yes. And, and to, I'm not going to do it justice to the way she tells it, but, um, because she is so incredible, but uh, Betty White, um, you know, was was being interviewed about courage, and and she and so somebody said something about having balls, and she said, "Wait a minute, let's talk about those balls things." Because you just thump those, and the and the guy bends over and collapses in pain. You want to talk about you want to talk about courage? Let's talk vaginas. Those things <laughs> make a pounding. <laughs> She's right. I was, it's so funny that you say that. I was just listening to Dr. Christian Northrup this morning on an interview, and she's a board-certified OBGYN, and she was talking about the first time in her residency when she saw a baby be born. Uh -huh. She was like, it was a good thing that like, you know, as a doctor, we wear a mask because I was weeping. She was like, it was one of the most miracle things I had ever seen. And she's like, and I realized then that like we leave men out of this, yes, they're in the room, but out of this 
she's like, it's a miracle thing to watch. And she's like, and they, and we suppress that in, in men when they should be so connected to this woman giving birth and have this miracle experience together. And I thought about it and I was like, she's so right. We suppress this in men to have this emotional experience when, when we're bringing birth into this, this world or life into this world. Yeah. And, um, and you're right. Women talk about courage to actually give birth is, is that is courageous. <laughs> oh my God, I'm, my, I'm one of nine kids. My mom gave birth nine times, no twins. And it's like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I, and not only give birth to, but then raise them and, you know, have them all turn out to be, you know, feed them and clothe, clothe them and educate them and give them values. It's like, oh my God. Yes. Talk about the power of that. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, that's amazing that, uh, I, I love that what Betty White said, you're right, when to have balls, she's like, yeah. Not really, <laughs> you know, I, but I'm glad you brought up men because I actually get, I would say the majority of people that reach out to me and need help is men because they feel like they can't go to therapy. They feel like they can't, they don't know, have anywhere else to go. And by the time they reach out to me, they're either suicidal or just in the depths of despair because they're being abused by a woman. And, um, and they just, and they're so embarrassed and and I'm like, you know, this happens to men too. Men get abused by women. And um, I'm so glad that you you brought that up because if a lot of my listeners are are men and I feel like secretly are closeted listening to, you know, coaches and, and podcasts about abuse in the closet because it's not acceptable for them to be abused by women. It's not acceptable for them to go to therapy and, or to sit and cry it out or to go with their buddies. You know, a lot say they go with their buddies. They're like, you know, my wife is really mean to me. And they all laugh at him and like, oh, you know, grow up, put your big boy panties on. And they won't let him talk about the abuse dynamic with, with their wives or their girlfriends. And that's so unfortunate. Right, right, right. And, and, and so let's talk about the emotions. Just go back to that for a minute. You know, we used to, we used to what, what used to be spiritual teaching, that everything is energy. Now we know from physics, from quantum physics, that it's true. Everything is energy. That means that our bodies are energy, even though they feel like solid. That means that our emotions are energy. We know energy cannot be destroyed. So just because we, we stuff our emotions doesn't mean they go away. They get stuck in the, in the tissues and the organs of our bodies. And after years and decades of doing that, only two things can happen. Either either we stuff them and we stuff them and we stuff them and then we explode inappropriately and, and we cause harm to relationships. Or we stuff them and we stuff them and we stuff them. That energy has to come out one way or another. So it starts showing up in physical symptoms, cancer, heart attacks, ulcers. So we've got to get on top of this. We've got to get in touch with our emotions and we have to learn how to express them, how to give them voice, how to get them out of our body in a way that's responsible, yes. in a way that's that's courageous and compassionate and graceful, like right. So in a way that other people can hear it. So we're not going to go around like throwing tantrums like a two-year-old, or or pointing the finger and blaming others for our state of being. That doesn't work. Um, so part of the journey of stepping into our power is identifying what, what our experience and what's going on with us, and communicating it in a way that it can be heard. Absolutely. And I find that is really hard to do. You know, it's, it's um, myself included. I felt like after I left my relationship, I was super angry at everybody in my life and, and just couldn't, couldn't 
get the anger out quick enough and would just lash out, especially at, at my family and my, in my family dynamic, because I realized that this was my little 12 year old angry inner child was in charge and she was, she was angry and she wanted to be heard. Right. But it was, the reaction was definitely a 12 year old child reaction. And I was like, wow, that little girl's angry. But I realized it was my job to go in and parent her and take care of her. Right. My own parents aren't going to do this anymore and, or they never did and never will. And so it was me having to have, compassion for her and tell her that I've got this. And it's so powerful. Yeah. And, and it's, all, that's why all of this, all of this that we're talking about is heroic because, you know, we have to, that's starting point too, is like owning that it's our emotions. Yes. Right? It's our emotions. Nobody can make us feel anything and nobody can, can unless we allow that. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody can make us feel anything unless there's an original wound in there. That is hurtful, and then people in 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 our in in the day to day now, they're pressing that, but it's our wound that's being triggered. It's our pain that that that's coming out that they originally had nothing to do with, and it doesn't excuse it, right? None of what we're talking about excuses anybody's behavior. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it right. That's not what we're talking about. And if we want to let ourselves free, um, and if we want to reclaim our power, it has to start from owning. That it's our stuff. Yes. And that nobody forced us at gunpoint to get into that relationship or to override the many yellow flags and red flags along the way. And that's not to make ourselves wrong either. But if we want to be free, we've got to start like like it's our choice. It has to start there. And that you only have control over your own self, right? I find that so many people stay in abusive relationships because they think that if they love the abuser enough or they give the abuser what they want, that they will change the abuser. And I'm like, the abuser has to make this choice just as much as you do, right? And I feel like the abuser's farther from making that choice than you are. At least you're having the conversation and understand that you're being abused and that you need now need to choose you over them. That's right. That's absolutely right. And even zooming out a little further and rewinding a little bit more is that point when we fell in love with them. And and there was that part when we started seeing those yellow flags and we thought, no, 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 I can I can help heal them. I can rescue them. Um, and when we know that we can't do that, right? And that underneath that, our feelings of ourselves not feeling good enough, right? Like the only way that somebody could fall in love with, with us is if, if we swoop in there and rescue them. And, and that's just faulty thinking. That's, again, misunderstandings. Because at the, if we want to attract people into our lives who are really going to be a match for us, who are going to honor and cherish and respect us, it has to start with us respecting ourselves. It's yeah. got to start there. Yes, and that's such a foreign concept to so many people. And I see it, like I said, now that I am awake to this, I see it all the time, all day, day in and day out of just people don't respect themselves, don't love themselves, don't listen to their own intuition. You know, I even have girlfriends where I'm, I was sitting out at dinner the other night and they were all reading text messages from guys they had just started dating. And I'm like, why do you need my opinion? on this. You, you're, it's clear that your intuition is telling you that this is not a good idea. Why do you need me to tell you that it's not a good idea? And you're not going to listen to me. You have to listen to your own intuition. So I have to like 
take it a step further and point out that their own intuition is screaming at them. Because I'm yeah. like, if this was a healthy dynamic, you wouldn't feel the need to analyze every little bit of that text message and, and try to see whether or not this person loves you or is interested in you. Um, and it's so interesting because I see this happen so much. That's right. And, and, and just to say it one more time, like that there is hope. And, and that there are so many ways that we can strengthen our, strengthen our sense of self to deepen our understanding of who we are. Um, and that is the first step. And then from that will come self-respect and self-acceptance and ultimately self-love. And once we get to those places of deep self-acceptance and self-respect and self-love, then that's what we start attracting into our lives. Yes. And that is what's key. Once you're there, you'll attract that into your life, right? You'll find somebody that does have, who does listen to their intuition, who, who has self-love and self-respect. And that's where true love and, and unconditional love comes in, which will blow your mind because chances are you've never experienced anything like that. That's right. That's good. And it's got to start again. It's got to start with us. Yeah. We can't expect for somebody to, to, you know, to fall in love with us if we're not feeling that. Absolutely. That's, um, I think that's key. That's key. If you don't love yourself, you know, how, how's anybody yeah. going to love you? Or, you know, I, I know RuPaul says that at the end of RuPaul's Drag Race every week is if you, you know, can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? And it's so true. Mm -hmm. I always laugh every time, every time uh, he says that, because I'm like, oh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a heroic journey and it is so worth it. Yes. It's so worthwhile. The rewards are infinite and indescribable. So you talked about that, you know, you kind of started this journey because you went through it yourself. And I find that people do this work as they've they've taken this this journey and, and now, you know, write about it and do YouTube channels and podcasts and and retreats. What um, if you don't mind what what got you on this journey? What was that? Like I said, that paradigm shift where you're like, all right, I got to go and do the work and and. Yeah. Break free of these, you know, these toxic cycles in life. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm happy to talk about that um, because I'm not an unlikely person to be speaking about or writing about personal empowerment or what it means to live heroically. I was raised in a communist country. I was raised in Cuba, I lived there for my first 10 years of life. So that's a very hierarchical power over structure where the state owns you and everything and tells you what to do and what you can do and what you can't do. Um, and so many freedoms that we take for granted in this country that they're just they doesn't exist yeah. in, in a totalitarian um, autocratic regime like that. Um, and I'm also I was raised really Catholic. Uh, so, again, another very hierarchical power over structure that's telling you what's right and what's wrong and what you should what you believe and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was what I was born into. And from a very young age, I knew that I was gay. Yeah, And so, so try to find a place for yourself in a religion that tells you that you're an, abom an abomination and that you're going to burn to hell for eternity. Uh, so my adolescence was one long depression with suicidal thoughts. And probably two reasons I didn't take my, my own life was that that was a worse sin. So maybe there is something to be said for the hierarchy of sins in, in Catholicism. And, and I also didn't want to bring pain and shame to my family. Um, and so, but, but the reason that I know that what I'm talking about works is because these days, no matter the details, no matter the circumstances of my life, a relationship works out or it doesn't, 
a project su succeeds or it fails, in quotes. Um, no matter what happens, I never, ever, ever question my sense of worth. It's like, I know who I am. And, and so that's why I can speak with certainty that all the stuff, all our fears, all our obstacles, all of our insecurities, all of our self-doubt can be healed and it can be overcome. I think that's that's amazing. Um, and yeah, that's a hard, a hard upbringing. I actually lived um, in St. Petersburg, Russia for a short time growing up and it was right after the fall of communism. But my parents thought it was a good idea to put me in a Russian public school then and first American girl to walk into, you know, this oh. communist. And I understand how bad, you know, how, well, first of all, how luxury our lives are here in the United States, right? And I mm -hmm. understand um the suppression that a government can put on to society and just to see it, you know, come right as walking into the school and being the first American, it was, it was illegal for these children to interact with me, you know, wow. a couple months before. And, um, and it was, it was eye opening. And it's also very scary that people can be suppressed by, you know, by their government. And that's, that even opened me up to, you know, the cycles of abuse and just power and control dynamic. And yes. yeah. And it, and then, you know, and then I realized it was in, within my own family and we were very cult like within the family um, and our family dynamic. And, you know, there you had the power and control between my parents and then, you know, you had the golden child and everybody else did what the, the abuser wanted to do. And if you didn't, you were the scapegoat, which was always me or my brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you spoke out against, you know, the dynamic of the family, you were made mm. out to be crazy and uh, had problems or on drugs. I don't know. So many times my father would say, oh, Megan's on drugs or she's crazy or she's got this issue. But I always knew that just that was, first of all, that was never true. And I was like, he doesn't like me because I'm the one that speaks out against him and, and right. challenges right. his, his, you know, challenges him. And he doesn't like that. That goes against the grain of, of the cult. So, uh, mm. but it took me so long to really understand that dynamic. Wow, Mega, that's an that's an amazing upbringing as well, um, including that that experience and opportunity to have, to have lived in Saint Petersburg in a communist regime. That's incredible. Yeah, you know, I cried every morning going to school. I was like, I don't want to go. And my dad was like, You'll thank me later. And I do thank him now. I it, it was such an experience, and then also it's so eye opening that that you know this power and, and control can switch on a dime, and you know people need to be very aware of these patterns in their life, in every aspect of their life, right? In their relationships, at their work, in their religion, in in government, right? It can happen so quickly. And yeah. I think people, it's just not talked about enough. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it goes back again, I'm glad that you're saying that you can say now that you're grateful for that experience, because I am too, you know, and including, um, a separate experience of having experienced sexual abuse at, at age 10. And, and from my current perspective, I'm actually really grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, for a variety, variety of reasons, but including the fact that it gives me, like I know, like I know that you can overcome this stuff. And, and having gone through those experiences gives me the ability to understand, to empathize, empathize with, and to help somebody pop out of that. Yes. Um, and, and free themselves. So it, it goes back to the Viktor Frankl thing, right? It's like, it sucked that all of that <laughs> happened. It's to any of us, it sucked. And it should have never happened to a child. And how are we going to show up in response to that? What are we going to do with that? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how can people come find you? You're amazing and you do such great work. And um, I'm hoping, you know, my listeners can come and listen to you because myself listening to you this week has been amazing. And um, I'm glad that I've connected with you. Yeah, I'm so grateful to have connected with you as well. And, and look forward to that con- that connection continuing beyond this yeah. podcast. Um, well, you know, the book is available. The book is Awakening the Soul Power, and it's available in Amazon or at, at your local bookstore, wherever books are sold. And, and to get in touch with me, probably the best way is my, my website, and then through there they can access my different social media or my Facebook group, um, which is called Unleash Your Inner Hero. And my website is um, soulfulpower.com. Awesome. And I will put all the links below. Um, any last words? Just again to a message of hope. Yes. Like you can do this and that, and there is a way out. Promise you, guarantee it. And you're not alone. And you're not alone. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming to The Secret Garden. I hope you come back and join us. Thank you so much for having me and and thank you so much for doing the work that you do that I know is helping out so many people in, in their in their own process of liberating themselves. Absolutely. I'm beyond happy to do it. Yeah. Bye. Thank you again, Christian, for coming to the garden today. Um, You can find Christian at soulfulpower.com or click on the link below. For those of you new to my podcast, you can come find me on YouTube at The Divine Self or on Facebook and Twitter at The Divine Self. My website is divine-self.com. Until next time, have a good evening.